As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, listener. I'm Carl Anker and welcome to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. Coming up, we're going to look on a disappointing defeat as Manchester United are beaten by PSG, which makes things a little tricky to qualify for the last 16 of Champions League. We're also going to discuss Edison Cavani and a little bit in general about strikers at Manchester United. Joining me as ever is my strike partner from The Athletic, is Laurie Well, He's here fresh from Old Trafford, probably still thawing out as it's getting quite chilly in the north. Laurie, how was that? How are you? Yeah, fresh is the is the word. Uh, definitely <laughs> keeps you awake being in in that kind of temperatures. And my, my teeth were literally chattering on the way back to the car, which is m- might say something about my own uh, abilities to stay warm as much as the Manchester weather. But um, yeah, it, it's actually I really enjoyed uh, being there watching that game. I, I thought I know that United lost, so you know, that's the big takeaway from it. You know, it puts everything on a knife edge for that Leipzig game. It was in United's hands should they have got to that position from from where they were. But I actually thought it was a really enjoyable game. You you know, even the drama, even the kind of needle of it, you know, Neymar and McTominay's spat, the Fred situation, which obviously we'll get into, should he have been on the pitch at all, should Solskjaer have taken him off. But I, I kind of quite enjoyed all that drama and there was chances at both ends. Uh, I thought United actually played pretty well for, for a large part of it. So yeah, a, a decent evening, albeit with the result that, <laughs> you know, is, is disappointing <laughs> and leaves things very much on the edge. It does leave things on the edge. I will recommend to you and anyone listening, if your teeth are chattering when you're cold, get some silver lined gloves. Just helps keep you warm in places where you wouldn't be able to keep warm. But let's get into one of my favourite segments of this podcast, which is um, where in the world is Andy Mitten? He's the United We Stand Editor and contributing writer to The Athletic. So, Andy, where are you in the world? Do you really want to know? <laughs> there's there's not a lot happening, mate. If I look a, a year ago, I was coming back from Kazakhstan. I'd been in Seoul. I'd been in Japan. I was leading this exotic life as a travelling journalist. And today I've had two flights cancelled on me. But if you want to know how to get to Leipzig, I know the price of every flight. I know how long it's going to take by three different driving routes. I know the overnight <laughs> trains out of there. I know you can get back via Frankfurt. I know all the quarantine rules for it. And... I'm still probably not going to be able to go because the bottom line is it's it's a it's a five day quarantine for one game of football, and I don't think my um daughter would appreciate me uh, missing a birthday party to watch Leipzig. But it's become a big game, and I said last week, I United have still got a real job to get out of this group, and that's been proved after the result against PSG. That has been proved. We are going to get into that, listener. But don't forget, 
We are giving the chance to subscribe to The Athletic for our best ever price. Yes, for just £1 a month for the next 12 months, you can subscribe to The Athletic and get some of the best sports writing on God's green earth. You can cancel this deal at any time. And you can also enjoy all of our podcasts advertisement free. This offer is going to run until the 4th of December. So that's Friday. So don't miss out. If you want to take advantage, go to theathletic.com slash manunitedpod. That's theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to pay just £1 a month for 12 months. This offer is for new subscribers only, but it gives you a chance to enjoy some of the best writing on Manchester United and beyond. Would be a decent way to give someone a Christmas gift. Right then, Manchester United 1, Paris Saint-Germain 3. Um, I enjoyed that more than I should enjoy the defeat, Laurie. Is that okay to say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, why did you enjoy it, Carl? Because I, I sort of had the same reaction, really. There were, me, at least, me there were at least three moments there in that game where I properly jumped out of my seat in that sort of good fan feeling. Uh, I, I saw, I was watching the game on BT Sport and I saw... Solskjaer mentioned how it was one of those games that you really wish fans were inside Old Trafford because it would have mm. been rocking. Mm. Uh, and I know Andy talks about this a lot as well. So I think that would have been a game where there would have been a lot of... Ooh! So many moments. That, that was that was what I was actually doing. I was jotting down quite frequently the number of times I just felt, God, imagine if there was fans you know, reacting to that. And, and also even at the end when, you know, Needle would have dropped when Neymar rolls the ball in for the third, you know, the, the, the whole... Uh, the noise would have just, you know, been... You know, snuffed out in a second, um, and actually the, the subs benches were very loud. They certainly made the most of of you know there being no fans there in terms of their own reactions. Pogba was particularly vocal uh, in the first half when he when he wanted a, a card showing for a player, and the analysts were sat just to the right of me, United analysts. So um, you know they were um, giving it uh, you know a few decibels from their seats. You know Rashford at one point in the second half when he was dribbling through, and they're shouting at him shoot shoot, and, and you know he sort of de- delays a little bit and gets tackled. But but yeah, it was one of those nights where you sort of felt god it would be great to you know we've said this a lot haven't we in terms of closed doors games i don't want to harp on too much but it was one of those games where you really did feel god it deserved a crowd uh, um, you know the kind of occasion but also the action on the pitch there was so much action on the pitch um there was fred's maybe red card uh two missed chances for anti martial uh cavani hitting the crossbar and then paul pogba reminding everyone that he still is you know, an expensive football player. Andy, what are the highlights for you? I thought it was an engrossing game and I was watching it thinking this is Champions League football. It's great to see Manchester United playing well against a team who were good enough to reach the final last year. It was full of incident. There were nearly a great goal from Cavani. I think Martial, the Parisian, should have scored against PSG. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Fred um, Paredes. What interested me about him was I wish he would have been half as animated when I interviewed him in August (laughs) in Lisbon as he was on the pitch because it was like talking to a wall when I met him. And his name actually means wall in Spanish, if you want a little Spanish lesson as well. (laughs) And, and, you know, Fred was stupid. He he was silly and he was lucky um, not to go off. your point about the fans, I woke up this morning and I tweeted it. I was just gutted thinking this is one of the massive, massive Champions League games at Old Trafford where the whole city's buzzing for it. All the bars and, and restaurants are full in Manchester City Centre. It's big coat weather. The atmosphere is just building. Everyone's asking for spare tickets. The atmosphere would have been rocking. PSG fans are really, really loud. They travel really well. And obviously there's none of that, but the game as a spectacle, I thought 
PSG battered United in that first uh, 20 minutes. Then United had a really good spell. I can take a, a lot from it, but as Laurie said, the main take is the defeat. And United is still top of that group. I would have accepted that when this group stage was drawn, but it's going to be very difficult going to Leipzig. A Leipzig team who've lost four games recently, and I watched a bit of their match against Istanbul tonight. They were all over the place, but United, no mistake, they've got to perform in Germany next week. It was, I mean, we can talk about the Leipzig game quickly. They, they were 3-1 up and then they needed a last minute goal in the 92nd minute to win 4-3. Uh, so agent Raphael nearly got the job done there. Um, in terms of Manchester United, Laurie, I, I think we've gone back and forth on this podcast and Andy, you've talked as well about the need of that midfield pivot and how what McFred offers in these big games and why Solskjaer goes for it. So you, you saw it again and it looked shaky in those first 10 minutes. But but slowly, slowly it looked as if Fred was getting in there and it slowly it looked as if Scott McTominay wanted revenge for his contact lens. Um, <laughs> yeah. What did you make? That. What did you make of the two midfield men there, Laurie? Yeah, I think McTominay had a much better game than um Fred. Um McTominay's actually very loud from the get go, you know, before kickoff, you know, shouting for pressure on the ball from from the players. Uh, Fred, the first thing Fred did was um, sort of a, dallied on the ball too much and, and let Verratti nip in and that kind of struck the tone really for his first half. He did do some good stuff and, and Solskjaer spoke afterwards about that's why he, he kept him on because he felt that his performance didn't deserve him to be hooked. I, I still feel even even without the yellow, I don't think he did great work and, and the, the yellow card that he got sent off for yes he got the ball shouldn't have been a booking under Herrera you know we recognise that sort of shit alfsery <laughs> from him don't we um, and uh, but but then nevertheless it, it was an it was a it was a heavy touch to a, a ball that was Man United's possession and then he's had to stretch to kind of keep control of the ball so he sort of brought brought that on himself and yeah I, I can you know Solskjaer goes with this the, those two because they are diligent they do what he asks them to do albeit you know. I don't think he asked him to um, Fred to, to shove his head into Paredes in a way that definitely um, you know would 99% of the time have warranted a red card from a referee. It was incredible how quickly he looked at the screen and said, no, that's a yellow. Did we get any confirmation there as to why it was only a yellow? I don't know. I mean, was it, did he just think it was, you know, it wasn't violent conduct? It was, um, what was the lesser charge for, from that for, for a booking? You know, I guess that's all he thought, that it wasn't enough of a, a head movement to justify violent conduct. So it's a booking rather than a red. But, um, but yeah, I think every... Or the referee watching that screen would have would have said red. I mean, you just think as soon as he's been sent over to that screen, I we, we, I saw it live. You know, the ball was away, but you can see Fred move his head, and instantly all the PSG players are around. And that's the thing, you know, that that's the other sort of context of, of leaving him on in the second half. Those PSG players do not need any invitation to point out fouls that may or may not be yellow cards and pressure the referee. And, and the referee clearly, you know, you're not telling me that at half time he, he didn't have a, you know a bit of conversation about that you know, Fred headbutt, you know, so to speak, and whether it should have been a red or not, and, and then the, 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 the sort of tackle on Paredes that Paredes ends up getting booked for, that, that Fred sort of, you know, stand, stood on his foot. I mean, I, I don't think that was a, a foul by Fred either, you know, it was a 50-50 and just one of those things, but, you know, you kind of, you sense that all those things knitted together meant that the, the smart thing to do was just take Fred off, whatever you felt he was providing the team in that McFred combination, you know, which they do have good understanding, they do cover for each 
whatsoever. They do break up play really well. They've got lots of energy, which you know does does unsettle PSG. You know that's what that's where United had their their positive moments from when they broke up play and then and then switched it quickly, transitioned quick, uh, and that's what we've seen McTominay and Fred do. You know away at City last season and, and various other games. PSG in particular, actually twice. You know away in Paris, they were the combination to, to do well. So I can see why Solskjaer went with it, but I just thought with Van der Beek, with Pogba, with Matic particularly on the bench, there was a there was you know ample ready-made options to just alleviate a pressure point that didn't you know, didn't need to be tested, didn't need to be a tight rope to walk. To, you know, it, it could be avoided. So, but listen, Solskjaer afterwards, he sort of held his hands up. He sort of said, "Yeah, listen, in hindsight, you know, maybe it was a, a mistake, uh, my error." Um, but he said that they did speak about it at half time. Uh, you know, just be careful, Fred. You know, in what you do, um, he thought he was careful um, up until you know that moment where he's, he's sort of diving into Herrera. Um, disappointing, really. From and you sort of wonder whether that will mean that that Solskjaer just weighs it up as a, as a partnership for, for, for Leipzig. I, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see who he goes with away in Germany. Andy, I want to get your thoughts here. This feels as if a decision, this, Solskjaer keeping Fred on feels like one of those decisions that you can almost see Solskjaer go, ah, I'll roll the dice like a certain other Manchester United manager would do. What would you have done in that situation? As a, you know, I think quite a lot of armchair fans are going, you've got to take him off at half-time, you've got to take him off at half-time. Is there any merit to keeping him on? I think, as Laurie said, he admitted he he probably got that wrong and it did seem the obvious thing to take him off. Even if he'd played perfectly in the second half, everyone's attention was on Fred after what had gone on in the first half. I do know that the coaches feel that there is a lack of depth in that position. So you might say, bring Matic on. I know that the feeling is that he can't cover the ground quick enough. Mm-hmm. especially against a team as quick as PSG. And PSG were too quick for Fred and, and Scott uh, and Scott McTominay at times. So I think Matic would have been a struggle there. They feel that they need more strength in that position. And there's been this midfield conundrum where we've talked about all the, the, the merits of playing different players, even playing Paul Pogba defensively, Donny van der Beek defensively. doesn't feel like the manager's fully struck on one system which he feels would work for him in the biggest games as Laurie said I think Scott McTominay played well tonight um, uh, Fred he's, he, he's got his merits he's having a decent season but if you're going to say is he in the same class as a top top midfield I think he loses the ball too much I think he's had a couple of stinkers but he had a really poor game against Arsenal and you just can't do what he did against Paredes maybe there's a little bit of the Brazil-Argentina rivalry um, sneaking in there and we're viewing all this with hindsight now and it seems so obvious in hindsight but I think tactically if Oli was going to stick to that system then I can see why he did keep um, Fred on because he's probably got the best legs in that position and I think 25 minutes before the end I, I thought this is a really good game of football but there was just that killer minute where they scored and, and Fred got sent off and then against a team as good as PSG, who were really motivated. And I know that Oli had watched them so closely, he felt that they played really poorly against Monaco. He'd been told that um, Thomas Tuchel had really gone off against his players. So they, there'd been a bit of um, an edge between the players and the manager. They felt that they had a point to prove and, and they proved it. They were as impressive in parts of that game as they were at Old Trafford in in February 19. It's weird that they've won both the games at Old Trafford and United have won both the games in part of the France. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Shall we talk about the missed opportunities for Manchester United? Because there was definitely a 20-minute period where Marcus Rashford realised Neymar wasn't going to track back. And it looked as if the goals were on. Laurie, what happened? Well, I'd actually sort of weirdly, it's an odd post-match press conference question, but I did ask Solskjaer, you know, technically, can you tell us how Marshall missed that? I mean, we know that he put the ball over the bar, but, you know, what what as a striker did he actually do wrong? He just said, you know, didn't put his foot through it, um, you know, obviously head over the ball and what have you, follow through with it. Um, and it's just, I think this is what Marshall this is how Marshall lets himself down because he is capable of incredible moment skill. You know, I mean, that pass to Bruno Fernandes in the first half, um, you know, was crying out for a first-time hit or, you know, certainly something more than, than what Bruno ended up doing. Uh, also, it was Marshall that put through Cavani for that chip that ended up in his second chance, you know, after the Bruno flick. And, and, and I think with that second one, he it clearly got the first one in his mind where he's looped it over the bar and he thinks, right, I'm just going to keep this one down. And then obviously by doing that, you know, he allows Marquinhos the opportunity to block it. So... You know, I suppose he had two ones there. You know, either one. You'd think if he if he gets one of those two, you think okay, fine. We you know we can accept the other one. But both of them together just makes you feel that this was a big night for you know big players. And and, and Marshall did do good good bits, but you know at the at the crucial end of it, you know he's he's let himself down really. And and that's just um, it's just the frustrating part. You want a, you want a killer there, don't you? Um, and I, I think Marshall has shown parts of that last season when he was given the number nine shirt but I think the reason why Cavani's you know been brought in and why Solskjaer still wants Erling Haaland I mean you look at the way Haaland takes his chances and it's it's ruthless it's it's cold-blooded and Martial perhaps doesn't quite have that edge to his game you know albeit you know he's now 24 and and you know we keep saying this and I'm not that's not to dismiss him as, as a player for United I think he, he's still you know extremely capable was a you know, real big part of that impressive front line um, that United had towards the end of last season. But you just kind of want a bit more from him. And and, and I think, listen, if he scores that goal and it goes two one, United aren't losing that game, are they? I, I think they end up winning the game, and it's a it's a glorious night. You know, I think you know, Paris at that moment, as you say, Neymar wasn't tracking back. the The way that P- PSG had started the game. Had, had, had sort of frittered away it, it had been more they, they could sense they were becoming more strained as, as Andy mentioned they were really up for this game the way they reacted at the end was you know raucous it was rapturous um, and I think that that started to play on their minds at 1-1 and, and then you could feel them getting stretched and, and, and kind of trying quite hard so if, if United had taken the lead in that period then I do think PSG we've seen it before you know might have crumbled that is true uh, the current group right now Manchester United top of the group thanks to the goal difference uh, uh, thank you very much, Marcus Rash, for that hat-trick against Leipzig. 
at Old Trafford. Um, PSG now into second and RB Leipzig in third. It looks as if Istanbul Basakşehir will not be featuring in European competition in January. It's a shame. Andy, I want to you, you talk. You've talked about how much you know about how to get to Leipzig. Um, we've talked a lot on this podcast about United's form at Old Trafford versus their form away from home. Is there anything? from your research about Leipzig that makes you go, oh, actually, Man United probably have a good chance playing away from home here. Well, they'll be missing the best defender after what happened tonight and their recent form has not been as encouraging and as good. They've lost those four games, as I said, as it was when they came to Old Trafford. You've also got to think that United put five goals past Leipzig at Old Trafford. It'd be a monumental swing for them to turn that round and win convincingly. As you say, United have got the goal difference advantage which means United uh, are top of the group they're going to be highly motivated it wasn't a five goal game at Old Trafford I think that scoreline flattered United they're going to come out and attack but I think United are often better when teams do that and United went strong on the attack tonight I know that they felt that if they tried to play for a draw against PSG they'd be punished for that that was the thinking going into the game you know if you give um, Neymar, Mbappe, um, you give them five yards, they're going to completely punish you. 20 minutes in, I'm thinking this isn't really going to work because United could barely get the ball, but then they've had some really good times with it. We've got two important games now. You've got West Ham, who are in form. If United don't win at West Ham, or I mean, maybe a draw wouldn't be uh, such a bad result, but United have been pretty terrible at West Ham in recent years the doubters would just kick straight back in if you get in a second consecutive defeat. And then that game at Leipzig, it's a huge game. It's the Champions League. This is why teams try and finish in the top four to get into the Champions League. And financially, I think to get into the, the knockout stage, it's another 10 million minimum. There might be fans in by the time the knockout stage comes around. And this is Manchester United. The status of the club should mean that they are in the knockout stages of the continent's Premier competition I'm still favouring United to go through now I do think PSG will win against uh, Istanbul but if United can't um, get a result in Leipzig did it even deserve to go through if you're not winning more than the three matches in the group stage one thing that will really cost will be that result in Istanbul that was an absolute shocker there's not really any excuse for that I can understand losing at home to PSG because they're one of the best teams in the world but that game in Istanbul I really hope that doesn't come to cost um, M- Manchester United but I think the pl- I think United are generally improving there was four straight wins going into that game against PSG and they need a draw don't remind me of the game in Wolfsburg when United crashed out a few years ago Ooh, the, Nick, the Nick Powell special <laughs> not, only, not only is it known for Nick Powell as a journalist I'll never forget after that game, Nick Powell walking through the mix zone and just looking at people like myself, uh, and I didn't know him, with utter disgust, like we were the scum of the earth. And I just thought, you absolute prat. You've not got a chance of making prat, it. Prat, was it, um, Andy? It was... It was <laughs> If you want me to <laughs> talk in, in Mancunian parlance, I wasn't quite diplomatic at the time. And I, I, I just thought, you've not got a chance. And I asked a few people who knew him. And one of them just said, space cadet. 
as in he won't have been doing it on purpose it's just like his head's just in the clouds and he actually said he's he's a nice lad and I know people who work with him at Wigan and they spoke really well of him but yeah that was a very famous substitute Nick Powell coming on in Wolfsburg also remember in Wolfsburg that night one of my mates was so drunk that he tried to tell me it was a it was an indoor stadium as the game was going on (laughs) and I said and I said no that's the sky he went it's not it's the roof I said, no, it's not, mate. It's the sky. I'm telling you now, we're not in an indoor stadium. <laughs> so that's what I remember about Wolfsburg. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of players out of position, I don't know if you... Did you notice we had Maguire as, as a striker for United tonight uh, for sort of the final? And obviously that's why he was you know, frantically screeching back to um, to slide it on Neymar um, for that sort of unfortunate third but he he, he, he was he, you could, he was another really vocal one actually Maguire in terms of you know staying positive you know we're going to get this you know goal back etc etc and, and also Andy I think he listens to the pod because um, he, he wasn't you know, when he's got that left back next to him he doesn't say Alex he says Talise Talise uh, <laughs> as by way of communicating with him yeah so but I did notice I did notice him go forward because he actually put a lovely header in to set up Paul Pogba. He did. That was a great yeah. shot. Yeah. And just so, charging, yeah. running out of defence in the first instance in that move. I think he sensed there that he needed, United need, if they were going to get back into it, they needed to sort of overload PSG in unexpected ways. And, you know, he sort of thought, listen, to heck with it. I'm just going to just gonna go. And listen, it nearly worked, didn't it? So, um, and another thing he did, another thing he did was he fronted up at the end of the game, which I know was an issue. He didn't do that after the Tottenham defeat the 6-1 and he's, he's Manchester United's captain and maybe there was a little mix up there but I think if you're the captain you've got to, you've got to face the media um, through thick and thin and I, I think he's been um, he's had a, a far better month than he had in his first month of the season and I think they'll learn a lot from a game like that because PSG are used to playing far more top level Champions League games than Manchester United it wasn't always so but it is now and mm-hmm. and it showed it was an impressive captain's performance from Maguire. Not only did he do all that stuff on the pitch, but he also had a little moment where he sort of separated Scott McTominay away from Neymar at half-time, where things looked like they could have uh, boiled over. I also want to mention, not only did Neymar score a really good goal for that third one from PSG, but he also, him shepherding PSG's players away from Fred after the headbutt, in air quote, incident, was a really, oh yeah, moment where Neymar may have kept Fred on the pitch for just 20 minutes longer who knows bit of, bit of compatriotism there yeah yeah national teammates they can help and then Neymar went off and span Alex Taliso and only goes so well, he, far he, he also he also grabbed Scott McTominay's nuts uh, for a want of a better <laughs> word which, which I saw at the time and I thought did he really just do that and then Solskjaer mentioned it afterwards and, and, and sort of said you know our players don't go down like like other other players, obviously, it was a, an issue after the uh, the Spurs game, and, and it sort of suggested that Scott Scott McTominay could have gone down, you know, clutching his nether regions uh, had he so chosen in, in a particular moment. But I think, um, yeah, probably be- better that he didn't. Well, well, well. Right, Manchester United do have Premier League action to go. They beat Southampton three two in what was being called as the Luke Shaw slash Morgan Schneiderlin derby on Sunday, and now they have to play West Ham on the Saturday in what will be Manchester United's first game in front of a crowd. This season, um, the London Stadium will be open to up to 2,000 football fans. Uh, I am trying my hardest to be one of the journalists in the press box there. Um, quick word on some of the articles we've had come out in the last week. Uh, I've 
done another look at Edison Cavani and what makes him so special. It tends to be his near post runs and this action I like to call the gamble, where you sort of run towards the goal where someone else is having a shot. So anyone that watched uh, the BT Sport pre-match package before the PSG game, you may have seen Rio Fernand describe a little bit of Cavani's movement. Uh, I don't want to say he read my article, but I do know that Rio Fernand likes my tweets. So so I'm not, not saying that. Um, Laurie, He's pilfered your stuff, Carl. <laughs> he might have done. I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just not, not saying <laughs> we that. We can say that. <laughs> Laurie, I, I bigged up this piece last week before the final uh, draft arrived, but you've done a phenomenal piece of work on Matt Judge. Um, Thank you it, very much. It's very good. It's got one of the very few photos of Matt Judge that are just out there as well. Um, and I found it... <laughs> yeah. I found Sur- it fascinating. Sur- surprisingly, United didn't uh, assist with uh, you know a sort of jovial request for a, a photo, a proper photo of him. <laughs> he like he likes to be you know the, the sort of low key uh, executive, and, and that sort of you know comes through in in the way that he you know communicates and uh, and and does like a, a low profile. So yeah, it's it's a rare thing a Matt Judge photo. Yeah, I would recommend to any Manchester United fans who have read the name Matt Judge in a number of articles, but don't quite know enough about Matt Judge to bookmark that piece and get it read over this week uh, and Andy you've written a piece that I've got bookmarked so I'm going to get into in a bit but I'm fascinated by the title it's called World War 3 was breaking out Gary Neville's tough tenure at Valencia well it was tough and it's five years um, today I think since he moved to Valencia so that that moved quickly I, I was seeing a lot of Gary when he was there and I felt sort of compromised as a journalist because I was almost too close to the story I couldn't write the things that I was seeing and I could see him working really hard to learn Spanish. He moved his family to Valencia, really liked it, but he had an almost impossible job. He was being undermined in the local media by former players. He'd walk through the corridors at the training ground and members of staff would go quiet. And yet after matches, I'd walk from the stadium with him to, to restaurants and it was great just to just to walk through the streets with Valencia's manager and people like double taking on him, but I could see it was getting really difficult for him. And, by the time of that 7-0 defeat in Barcelona, I would have pr- normally expected to meet him for a coffee in the team hotel. And he just messaged me and said, can you pick me up? He didn't want to be there. And we just sat in a street for four hours and <laughs> him like wearing his Valencia tracksuit and people walking past going, that's Gary Neville. <laughs> and he's just like, and then he said, can we walk to the ground? I went, well, you know, it's, it is four kilometres away and you, you are the manager of one of the teams. There's going to be 70,000 people there. Can we walk? Yes or no? Like really bluntly. So I'm thinking, have I got to ring a few mates here for backup in case anyone starts to try and fill Gary Neville in? But we walked to the ground and uh, it was just a horror night. So it's not, not a piece I'm, I, I would write before and it's not one I'll write again because I'm, I'm not close enough to as I was to Gary at that time. I, he did say to me... Um, next season um, why don't you write a book about a season in Valencia and I thought this will be brilliant because I'll get such good access if the, if the manager's granting it and I'll be able to fly with the team to away matches and I started looking at properties in Valencia there were a couple of major problems with this A I didn't tell my wife <laughs> and, and B Gary got sacked <laughs> I think one thing I'm coming I'm listening from recent episodes is I just want to say hello to Mrs Andy Mitten just hello Thank you for all the work that you help so we can put on this podcast. <laughs> she's way, way, she's been been asleep for a long time now, but when she wakes up in the morning, mate, I will pass on that you're saying hello to her. I'm sure she'll be delighted. <laughs> Thank you for teaching us how to say Alex Talese as well. Um, but I think, I think that's it. 
listener, I think that's all from us. Um, thank you for joining us for another episode of Talk of the Devils. Uh, but other than that, it's goodbye from me, a goodbye from Laurie. Goodbye, guys. Cheers for listening. Goodbye from Andy. Cheers, lads. And a goodbye from producer Eddie. This has been another episode of Talk of the Devils, a Manchester United podcast brought to you from The Athletic. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.